Hello, welcome to Back to Base, the official podcast of SAS Who Dares Wins. I'm Andrea McLean, and for this season of SAS Who Dares Wins, I will be your conversational comrade, guiding you through the TV show that doesn't pull its punches. We're together as a unit! It's simple. You are going to suffer. Wars aren't just fought on land, they're fought on water. Go! Move it! Move! Over the coming weeks, I'll be joined by celebrity guests, former contestants and DSs. We'll be looking into the most extreme moments of each episode and how the emotional and mental experiences on the show can be found in everyday life as well. This week, I'm joined by a man who knows all about the importance of companionship in a secluded location, former Love Island contestant and SAS superfan, Jamie Jewett. We'll also be getting a checkup with SAS Who Dares Wins Dr. Sandeep Chohan. And we'll be talking to former recruit and midwife Louise Gabatas, who will be bringing her own unique insights into experiencing aggression within SAS Who Dares Wins. So, gloves up and join us back to base. Today we're going to be chatting with Jamie Jewett and Louise Gabitas. Jamie, your interest in the show is slightly different because from everyone else that I've spoken to, they've either taken part in the show or they're a doctor in the show or, or what have you. You had to sit and watch a loved one take part in the show because you are Camilla Thurlow's boyfriend. I am indeed. And Camilla was on when I took part in it. Yep. And can I just say her nickname from me was Mighty Mouse because <laughs> she's amazing. Do you know what? That's a that's a really good way to describe Camilla, Mighty Mouse. That's brilliant. Yeah, she's a, I call her Pocket Rocket. But um, yeah, she's she's a hell of a girl. She's tough. She's feisty. Um, and I thought, yeah, she'd be perfect for the show. But you had to sit and watch watch her do what she does best in my eyes. And that's um, challenge herself, test herself and, and, and usually overcome and and Louise, when when you took part in SAS Who Dares Wins, uh, listeners will remember you as it was the first series where they allowed women to take part. And for in terms of how you became known, I suppose in terms of the press, it was the very first fist fight. Now, obviously, we've seen it again in, in, in this series, but it was the first time that we'd seen women pitted against men and you valiantly stood your ground. But you you did get bloodied and battered. Yeah, I think um, that was the reason I became known, if you like. But I've always stood by what I said at the beginning when that episode came out. And that was by that point, I didn't want to punch from a girl, let alone a guy. It was going to hurt either way. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was just another challenge, wasn't it? So, yeah. Just another challenge. Yeah. You can say now while we're I can sitting. say now, yeah. yeah. Well, there's not a big guy stood opposite me. That's fast up. Now, obviously, the, the, the second episode has gone out. Last week, the recruits, they were, they were thrown from a boat. They, they had to strip naked. Um, basically, they had to do the, the backwards fall mm -hmm. in, into the water. They were told, quite simply, it's simple, you are going to suffer. They've, they've had their time to bed in now. and We're starting to see, obviously, little friendships are being being formed. We're starting to see true personalities coming out. What is it like in those first few days where the recruits are obviously starting to get to know each other, getting accustomed to their surroundings and what they're going through? Talk us through what that's like from a recruit's perspective. I think the thing to remember is what you're seeing by the time it comes around to being aired on the TV is that these guys are already in Scotland and for, for us, we were already in Chile. What you don't see is the um, 
psychological stuff that happens before that. So you get into the airport, your phone's being taken away, the cutting off from your family and your friends, you really are quite isolated from the very beginning. And although that's not strictly part of the show, all of that does become quite tiring already. And you're excited to be on that plane or that transport to wherever you're going. That's tiring. You don't sleep that well because you know the inevitable is about to happen. So all of that is building up to the point where you then see these recruits on the boat in the cold water. They've probably already had a good 24 hours, if not more, of sleep deprivation and probably feeling quite isolated. And I do remember the first night that we stayed in our accommodation And I remember someone coughing a lot. And I think I probably got about half an hour sleep that night. And I remember looking around and everyone looked like they were asleep. But when those lights came on in the morning, I remember turning to the guy next to me and saying, I didn't sleep at all. And he said, I didn't sleep at all either. And it like we all found out that basically we were all lying there, but nobody was asleep. So it was it was isolating it really was isolating but you, you do make kind of friends quite quickly because then you start realizing that everyone is in you know excuse the pun for this one but in the same boat <laughs> quite literally so yeah you you start for, like forming these relationships quite quickly and and Jamie obviously your television background i suppose is is one of reality tv i know SES sort of comes under a slightly different yeah. bracket but in in the same way i suppose on love island you're put together with people that you don't necessarily know you you're forming what you hope are bonds and and support groups but you don't necessarily know if somebody is, is uh, has a game plan mm-hmm. if they're pitted against you. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I can't say there's a lot of similarities. I think the toughest <laughs> challenge I had to do on there was stuff hot dogs down Camilla's pants, but uh, <laughs> which I won. I will add. If the, the DSs yeah, are listening, no, there you, go, you know, it could be um, a new thing. But that's about as extreme as Love Island got. Um, but yeah, I understand what you're saying there. It's quite in in, a, in an alien situation. I guess you do you do create strong bonds with people um especially if you're all in a, a sort of a confusing and, and 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 weird circumstances you kind of find friends quickly and, and and you know as much as they are very different situations um yeah that was a very weird place to be for me and it is something you do you just sort of you, you a lot of talking a lot of downtime and and another thing it's quite funny not to sort of jump in and go see how you feel but when when you see yourself in a, an hour condensed from 24 mm-hmm. um obviously again completely different situations but seeing a lot of a lot of the, the nuances people don't understand that did happen in that 24 hours yours is a lack of sleep ours could be certain conversations or different bits and bobs but yeah it's 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 a very weird thing to watch back and mm-hmm. and try and get across to people that it's, it's what you're seeing is a little bit different now one of the 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 key points i think of the the episode that's just gone out is the element of chaos now, the other experiences that the recruits have had, they've been fairly regimented, obviously the falling backwards into the water and, and this sort of thing. But when it comes to the shooting and the recruits are, are literally dragged by their hair and thrown onto the ground and a bag on the head and then the bag is whipped off and they're told, defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've all reacted in their very, very different ways. What, what did you make of that? Yeah, I thought, God, that would have been really disorientating. The, I mean, even just having the bag over your head, if you remember, and being pulled into the rooms to be, in, I think they called it soft interrogation, but that disorientation of being pulled through a room and you're not sure where you are, but to yeah. be sort of dragged through the water, pushed. You don't know where to put your feet. You don't know where to put your feet. You're, you're, you know, people are falling over, then you're getting up, someone's screaming in your ear, you can hear gunfire, and then, like you say, defend yourself, defend yourself. It's almost... Uh, 
it's a verb, isn't it? It's a doing word. And then you get handed something and then you do something with it. That's kind of where I think a lot of the recruits went down that road of that that feeling like they had to do something. And it was a very small amount of them, wasn't it, that actually did that stop, check themselves and think about the task a bit more kind of in depth rather than just doing. Mm. But so disorientating. Yeah. seven that passed, right? Yeah, it was uh, apparently so. Yeah. Apparently so. There was obviously we're we're going to get into it a little bit later, but there was a a moment where Chris actually ran head first. He literally <laughs> threw him. I mean, I I was watching myself head in hands. No, what are you doing? It's so tough because I must say, from a viewer's perspective, obviously you've 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 felt the the bag over the head and all of this sort of thing. I obviously haven't felt anything like that, but mm. even from a viewer's perspective, when I was watching them go through that, I was in front of the TV almost miming a gun ready to shoot. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. it, as a viewer, it made, it made it amped you up, so I can only imagine just how much yeah. you would be feeling the, the, the adrenaline in that situation. And I, it does worry me because I look at these situations and you think, I, I really think I would, you'd like to think you would do well, but I think I probably would have failed that as well. It was really do you think hard. you would have done the same thing? I just knowing how I felt in the moment watching it, I'm quite worried that I would have done. Yeah, I, I, I consider myself a thinker, but that really got me that. It was tough, which is very clever in, in how but good the test is. that's the beauty of the show, is, isn't it? We all sit there going, what would I do? What, what would I exactly? do? Exactly. You always pit yourself against against what you see, and I, I think I would have failed that. But who was it, the the girl that did stop and say... Carla. Carla. Carla so she it. said, stop, or I'm British Army, I will shoot. Yeah. So she she remembered her was training. very rationally, probably even as she was being dragged through the mud, thinking in her head, don't just go mental here. Yeah. Just think about what you were told 24 hours ago. And I think it is just keeping hold of that bit of calm, controlling that bit of yourself in mm. that moment of chaos. And that's what they were looking for, wasn't it? I think what's so interesting about this this episode, which is all about aggression, it's called aggression. Um, obviously, aggression has its place in war. It needs to be harnessed. And for me, what stood out in this episode was that not only were they being pushed to act aggressively, they were also being asked to stop, put the brakes on, right, act aggressively now. And it was being able to keep that mental diligence to know when do I press the accelerator, when do I press the brake. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite clever with this show. I think you find a lot of situations where there's almost what seems like contradicting orders. You're kind of being told in the most crazy and hectic and aggressive situation where any human would kind of respond with almost that protective violence mm. that kind of you'd be ready to to pounce at any minute yeah that's when they want you not to that's when they want you to to to, to think and slow down and evaluate and then and then some other times like even when running up a hill they're saying now use your aggression and you yeah. get up that hill in a moment where you're not actually under um any pressure to you know with any any threat um, so it's clever. It's clever how they they manage to separate those two and teach a real lesson into where it should be used. But I guess that goes goes the same with war, doesn't it? You need to know exactly when when to use your aggression and when not to. So well, you you mentioned running up a hill there. Um, I really, really felt for Owen. It wouldn't stop until three of the recruits had uh, VW'd, and he was absolutely leading the charge. And then clearly his knee went. How d- how did you feel watching that? I felt sorry for him and a similar thing happened to one of the girls in our group and it goes back to what Sandeep was saying last week about people pushing themselves on this sort of show and using that sort of like aggressive willpower and determination to keep going but at what cost really. Um, So yeah, I felt sorry for him but it's 
yeah, you're putting yourself in that position, aren't you, to potentially get hurt? And and he did. And I think the difficulty as well is if mentally you you're 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 coping, physically you're proving yourself to be resilient, but your body just yeah, gives in. No, <laughs> that's I think the, the hardest. I really liked him, Owen, in that, and you, you could kind of see it. This he's really really likable character, really bubbly. But then when it when it came to it, he really got down and got his head down and, and got stuck in and. I think it must be so tough for somebody like that. You, very promising, you know, recruiting the show yeah. to, you know, to, to to be withdrawn by something out of your control, um, yeah. an injury. And it's, it's it's tough. It's tough to watch. It's almost like a blow to the viewer as and well. It, well, it sounded like <laughs> it went down really well with, with with the others. You could hear them talking about him afterwards, saying yeah. him like a really he was good like, guy. And... Yeah, they wanted to get to know him more, didn't they? And yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a real shame that. Now we haven't mentioned the mole yet. Hmm. What, what are your thoughts on the fact that there's a mole in the camp? Oh, it's got to have been. There, there had to be one. There's been one in every show. <laughs> they couldn't have not been one. So, yeah, good. But I know I like the way they've done it this time and they've kind of introduced the mole at the beginning so that uh-huh. we're not, you know... In the dark. Yeah, in the dark, because that, that that's how they've kind of changed it this series, haven't they? Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. It's really... It's tough. It's tough to... Uh, to put How would you feel if you were one that, of the recruits, though? You know, we're, we're watching it from our point of view. How exactly. would you feel if you think, oh, he's a mate, you know, we're yeah, getting but I, on? Honestly, when, because in my series, it was Petra who was the yeah. mole. And so there was a mole, but you're so submersed into the experience that I'd watched all the previous shows and I forgot to look out for someone that was potentially a mole and there was one and and I really liked her and even when she left I stood you know I really liked her as a person so I didn't really feel portrayed I think there were a couple of people and you know I'll say it the weaker ones of the group that felt a bit portrayed because they were weak in the group and then Petra was going back to the DS and saying they're weak actually in camp as well so yeah they probably felt a bit betrayed, but I think if you're doing your best and you're trying your hardest, then what have you got to be betrayed by? That's it. It's another mind game, really, isn't it? Because if you go in there with that attitude that you think there's a mole in here, someone you're going to get, you can sort of succumb to paranoia, then won't you? And you won't exactly. It's another level that you really don't need to add. Yeah. So it's kind of like and then you do find your out best there, and get there wasn't head, one. I've just been go, imagining yeah, the exactly. whole. <laughs> yeah, do your best and get your head down and don't worry about it. I think that's probably the best way. Well, he, they. So. I mean, Foxy keeps saying, you know, you're the cat amongst the pigeons, mate, and. Mm. Um, um, terrible Foxy impression, by the way. I was really sorry <laughs> for listening. <laughs> um, um, but that is his job, like you say, to you know feed Intel back. Um, and one of the things that that he picks up on is how close uh, the sisters Bethany and uh, Eloise are, mm-hmm. and he wants to try and see if he can find out not necessarily drive a wedge between them but find out what he can do to really disrupt that yeah. and obviously that disruption comes in the in the boxing sure I know the girls actually um, they're from my neck of the woods if you like okay. two Cornish girls um, very strong very strong um, they do CrossFit as well and I'm kind of that's my sporting background so and they are very close and even in the sort of Cornish CrossFit community they are known as the Robinson sisters they okay. compete together that's their kind of competition name if you like you know so they are close um, and naturally they're, like they say there's 18 months between them they're sisters they've grown up together um, but yeah then the boxing happens and I think it's quite poignant when you see Eloise watching Bethany get beaten up basically yeah um but that's going to be it's going to be hard to watch 
anyone you anyone love. Anyone you love. I mean, I felt sorry for myself watching myself <laughs> get beat <laughs> up. <laughs> I just felt embarrassed when I watched myself. <laughs> I did so badly. But so again, badly. by that point, when you are stood up in a line and you're looking at everyone and you're told you are going to fight someone here, and by that point you've made relationships quickly because it's yeah. of that situation that you're in, you're looking around thinking, I don't want to fight anyone here. Mm. I'm actually surprised they didn't make them fight each other. I was. Oh, that's what I thought was coming. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think when you're just saying you don't want to fight anybody because you've all been friends, that's that switch they keep talking about, yeah. isn't it? That you just need to be able to flick on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that, that was, you don't know who the enemy might be. No, yeah. exactly. And yeah. standing, standing in your uh, in your lineup. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was really that was hard to watch that mm. that episode. Um, well, it's hard to watch the, the, them two fighting. The sister on the sideline. It was it was it was heartbreaking in mm. a way. Um, and especially when she got back afterwards and she was so emotionally moved by it, mm. um, you kind of could tell something was going on there. And but again, that's uh, another another point of the challenge, I guess, isn't it? Did you but, feel like that watching Camilla when obviously you were watching someone you love? Oh, she got stuck yeah. in. She, she gets stuck in. Well, there you go. That's what. Oh, listen, in the boxing match I saw her in, she got stuck in. Um, yeah, and afterwards she was like, oh, do you know, I don't think I've done very well. I was like, you were bloody brilliant you were there front and centre and did not stop swinging um, so I'm not surprised by that at all um, but the, yeah I, the, the point I think of uh, the boxing which some might think it's it's just a it's a gratuitous way to, to see people pitted against each other and put them in an uncomfortable situation for me it really revealed itself when it came to Bethany because that's when the mentally any of your, your defences that you might think that you've managed to keep up literally start to break down and that was where Bethany really to me revealed her vulnerability mm -hmm. because yeah. to me she's one of the strongest recruits mm. that's that doesn't matter what gender she is she seems mentally really strong she's got a really great attitude she absolutely gives a hundred percent but when she started talking about her past to me this is when SAS really starts to dig in um, I find it fascinating that it's quite often that a physical activity that can reveal the mental reasons as to why we watch a programme like SAS Who Does Wins. I think that's why I picked a guy, you know, because I've I've been in play fights with guys before. Mm -hmm. The punch hurts. I've had, and very like much like what Betha says, she's opened up in the past about, you know, she doesn't go into full-on depth yes. about, you know, but there's a but hint towards, yeah, abusive relationships. And I've had abusive relationships, not necessarily my partner, but men in my life that have hit me. And at that point of going on that show, I remember sitting in the truck and going to that task and the guys were sat in the back and one of them went, I'm not hitting a girl. I just won't do it. I won't do it. And I remember thinking then, one of you's going to because I'm going to make you. And it wasn't so much a like, I want to show that I'm tough because actually the guy is probably going to beat me up. I'm, I may have got lucky and swung a punch, but that would have been a win-win situation anyway because then not only am I calling out the guy to prove this gender equality thing, which is what they were trying to highlight, but then if I did get lucky and land a good punch, then I've won against the guy as well. <laughs> so it was kind of... But it does... In my head, I was thinking, I've been hit by a guy before. Like, this is, this is going to be fine. But did you but, not automatically think when you hear a man saying something like that, I'm going to choose you? 
Because yeah. you're clearly not going to hit as hard as him. Because <laughs> I would. If, <laughs> that would be the first yeah. thing that went. Yeah. If, if anybody said it, oh, I don't want to do this, I'd think, well, if I have to choose, I'm going to go for you because you don't want to be here. But I think the point for Bethany was she didn't get a choice. She got yes. matched with Jay. And yeah. he yeah. is not a small guy, is he? And he, well, he was we, he's an ex-FAS he? guy. Not that she knows. But. And um, not only... Um, I remember seeing a punch that I got, you know, my head going back. Yeah. And I see in that trailer Beth getting a punch and her head going back. And then the rest of this episode, Beth is really emotional. And mm. you've just been punched and you feel like you've lost your dignity a bit. Even if you've been brave and you've stood there and you've fought back, it's it's a vulnerable place to be, isn't it? And your emotions just come crashing down yeah. on you. And you're in a place where you're wet, you're cold, you're tired, you're not around anyone that's going to go, it's going to be okay. Oh, she, she's got Eloise there, but yeah. it's, it's, they're really stripped back, aren't they? But also it's not going to stop. No. It, it's not like something's terrible's happened and then you go home and have a nice warm bath and put it all behind yeah. you. Yeah, That's no. happened and now it's going to be the next yeah. thing. No and the time next to get thing. over it, have you? Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a, another aspect to to the, 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 the fighting element, which I thought was really interesting, because obviously this episode is all about aggression. Um, Chris talked a lot about where his aggression actually comes from. He spoke very poignantly about his past, uh, the fact that his brother had died in a, in a bike crash, his dad moved to New Zealand, his mum was drinking, and that he had used drinking and, and taking drugs, and also fighting as a way of coping. Now, the the problem that he had is that he couldn't press the brake. That was, that was in, I found that was the most shocking, was he couldn't stop hitting. It was like a switch had gone in his head, and he just couldn't stop. Yeah, there's a part of me, obviously, you wonder if, if you know, could he hear him? But yeah, I mm -hmm. guess he must have done that. And it's very difficult because, you know, seeing someone, they talk about their anger issues, and until you see it like that, you start to realise, wow, this is a, it's a really big thing here. But I always find it interesting with him being a parole officer. He's a parole officer, mm. parole support officer, yeah. Um, in a job like that, and, 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 you know, it just goes to show somebody that's helping ex-criminals or, or now criminals trying to re rehabilitate people in that position still have a lot of demons of their own and they're, and they're in a position where they're giving advice about these kinds of things and it's just the human journey really, isn't it? And it's just seeing... I found that a really interesting dynamic or a really interesting thing to see somebody like him and see just how much he struggled with and mm. um, and, and the job he's in. And, and he's a really interesting guy. And I think he's actually, I think he's going to do quite well. I think what I found really fascinating is that, you know, from a, if a viewer came to this program and had never, never seen it or understood it before, they might think, why are they getting people to fight? Is it to see how tough they are? Actually, it's not about that. It's about can you can you harness your own emotions and bring it out so that you can defend yourself, but also can you rein it in? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and watching him not stop, not stop, not stop was so telling. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? And yeah, like you say, it's about the DS are trying to pull those things out of you, but then they also want you to have self-control. Yeah. And he just didn't seem to... Well, with the running in the tunnel and then the not stopping... Physically, he's obviously very fit. And he is actually a really likeable guy, yeah. the way he comes across everywhere else. But that that is worrying, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of like on, a, on the flip side. Um, you had Bethany and her past and the, the conflict in her past had made her almost in that conflict situation kind of withdraw a little bit and, you know, she stood there and fought, but it brought up a lot of emotion. Whereas his, on the flip side, his, his reaction to it was much more violent, 
in lashing out rather than the withdrawing. It's kind of a, a two different ways of dealing with a past. Do you think that's a, like a, that. a male kind of, female thing? Possibly. I don't know if it's down to testosterone, but another thing. Is, well, uh, men are are more likely to be violent when they are aggressive, aren't they? That's what the research shows that yeah. men, men are likely to be more violent. Women are men, are more likely to be manipulative and a little bit more passive aggressive. Emotionally aware in this situation like that. Yeah, and that's, uh, again, when I say I was ready to shoot the guy that was running towards I think that's another part of it isn't it it's just yeah. it's being able to think in that situation I think it works to, works against men sometimes when they let that aggression get too much he, he will um, have learned a massive lesson yeah, from both is, of those um, scenarios though you yeah. will because even when um, he gets called out of the tunnel what have you done you mm. can just see his face is just like isn't he? I can't believe I've, uh, yeah. I've let myself do that yeah, yeah. And so he'll he'll know. He'll... I think both of those guys are gonna are gonna go quite far in this from from their respective uh, angles. Now I, I need to ask you what what would you say? You said that you think he will have learned a big lesson from this, and and again we genuinely have no idea um, how much further he he does or doesn't go. Mm. But you yourself, when you came home and you went back into your life, would you say that there are any lessons that you learned from this completely? random experience of doing SAS Who Dares Wins to go into back to your work as being a midwife? Most things that you learn are transferable, aren't they? It's just how you choose to implement them. Um, Straight away, I think I learned that I could cope with night shifts a lot more easily than I ever (laughs) thought I could. I used to hate night shifts. I hated them with a passion. And then when I came out of SAS, I was like, yeah, put me on all the nights. It's more money and I can do it. Well, didn't you go literally straight back on? I landed... And then 12 hours later, I was, I was doing three night shifts, yeah. Can I just wow. say, if I was a mum, I'd be slightly worried to, to look and see y- you at the bottom of my bed. <laughs> <laughs> I think after people saw kind of how, you know, how far I got in the show, they, yeah. No, people were, excite- were, were excited. It was quite funny. I'd have like, I'd be looking after one woman in labour and then another midwife would come in and be like, God, can you just go in and say hi to my lady next door because they've heard you're on the suite and they just want you to say hello. And um, yeah, if you're free to deliver their baby, I'm like, well, I've been on 12 hours now. I probably should go home. Like, I can't just deliver every baby in Cornwall because I've been on SAS who dares with. Did you have any ladies saying they want to a VW mid-birth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the first training exercises, we saw how the DS and the landscape itself can affect the mental and physical well-being of the recruits. Episode two takes us one step further with the recruits inciting violence on each other. To help give us a deeper insight into how they'll be feeling, we're going to speak to our man on the ground, Dr. Sandeep Chohan. Uh, Sandeep, lovely to speak to you again today. Lovely to be called back. <laughs> you got, you didn't get VW'd. We're, we're <laughs> always going to call you back. Now, Sandeep, I wanted to talk to you about Chris. He reacted very strongly in the, the 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 shooting episode that we saw. Basically, he ran face first with no thought to the training that he was given towards the Canadian soldier, the ally who was uh, running towards him. You had a good long conversation with him after that. What did the two of you talk about? I think Chris... Um, it, it, in a way, it's quite sad, the, the history that came out from him. He had a very troubled background and unfortunately hadn't really processed it. And his coping mechanism was very much emotional and it was very much 
geared towards anger. And you see it a lot in men. You see it a lot in young men, especially guys that have had traumatic backgrounds and history. The way that they cope with it is uncontrolled aggression. They're always in that kind of agitated state. And if you look at what's happened there, it's almost classical of it because despite all the instructions, he knows what he needs to do, but the emotional side got better off him. He just saw red and then he just charged. And that's probably the easiest way to describe things. It was almost like a red flag to a ball. So it does make sense if you look at his background history and you look at the aggression that he's kind of been manifesting and you look at his the, the, the hurt that he's experienced as well. You know, it's uh, it, it kind of, you can understand why he did what he did. Mm. Now, we, we see that the physical is a, is a gateway to the mental in this episode. How And I think what you've just described there with Chris sums it up really well. How closely linked do you think in a really intense environment like the ones that the, the recruits are experiencing, how closely linked to those aspects of, of mental health and, and physical health interplaying? Well, both are the, the yin and the yang. So both are core to maintaining overall morale and they're both core towards well-being as well. So if, if you look at it, as soon as you start depriving people of sleep, as soon as you start depriving people of their regular meals, as soon as you start putting them into really cold environments and create that uncertainty around them and that volatility around them, that really starts eating away at you. And this, this is one of the things the military are good at in terms of keeping a good sense of humor, you know, a black sense of humor, but that, that's why they do it. It's just really to maintain their mental morale in these volatile, unpredictable, hostile environments. Well, obviously, we're very used to now during the series of seeing the DSs behave in a particularly aggressive way. But what's the difference, do you think, with the recruits on a fellow recruit um, inflicting violence on you? Say whether it is the boxing or say whether it is a breakdown of communication compared to the DSs making you experience whether it's physical or mental discomfort. It's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a difficult scenario. It's going to be a difficult scenario because essentially you're comrades and you have that them and us mentality. It's almost like you're in a prison camp and you expect these things from the DS. But when your fellow recruit who you live with 24 hours a day that you worked alongside, you've probably helped, you've shared rations, um, exhibits aggression and violence, then it does change the whole dynamic. And it does, you know, in some situations it does damage to relationships um, in others people can you know put things into context but certainly when people turn on each other um, it does affect morale and it does also affect team dynamics is there ever any comeback do you think from any sorts of uh, any sort of sense of betrayal because obviously there's a mole in camp at the moment and obviously there's friendships there's bonds uh, being being built there do you think there is ever any any feeling of complete betrayal that can't be overcome it has happened previously and you know i th I, th I think what happens traditionally is that people start bonding well and they start forming their teams and they have their own cliques and you become dependent on each other essentially to get through the next day or to get through the next hour. Um, and then when the dynamics change, whether the mole comes out or people don't behave as expected or they haven't helped you in a particular task, then that does actually affect morale quite significantly. And we've seen it many years. And on the flip side of that, 
is when people do step up and actually go above and beyond for their colleagues that really enhances morale as well and certainly we've had really good strong friendships that have lasted over the years from previous series Thanks so much, Sandeep. Now, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into this episode, which is called aggression. I'd like to have a have a, a look at the idea of taking a breath, because obviously with SES Who Does Wins, it is, it is all about not just aggression, but controlling aggression. Obviously, in the military setting with rifles, um, what's expected is that you have to be able to, to hold your head. It, ultimately, the goal is not to shoot rather than to shoot. And this is what we've touched on it before. Chris is told to take a breath and he doesn't. He runs headlong. This is something that we could all do, I think, within our own lives. I think we could all take this element of SAS Who Dares Wins. Is there a point in your life where you you have rushed headlong, where your emotions are flying and you have been able to stop, take a breath, assess the situation? I think for me, the most relatable thing that I can move this towards is my midwifery. And especially in, um, like annually, we have to have our obstetric emergency training days. And it, there is a massive focus on not just thinking you've got all the skills to deal with that situation and diving in and pulling all the drugs out the box and being able to stop that hemorrhage and resuscitate the baby at the same time. It's about exactly what they, they they call it tunnel vision don't they and it's about stopping and whilst all that adrenaline is firing through your body stopping taking a breath looking around the room and assessing the emergency situation before you just go head first into it and then you can see people around that potentially can help you with that situation some people in that room have got better skills than you. You, you you may not actually be the most suitable person to be taking charge of that emergency. So actually putting your hands up and saying that. Um, so that's kind of the biggest way that I think it impacts on my life. But I suppose it, it can be in, in any circumstance. Yeah, well, for me, unfortunately, I can't exactly say that I get in these situations with my old line of work. I was, I was a model, so it's not exactly the most pressured or volatile of jobs. Um, but I'd say in everyday life, I think something everyone can relate to is even arguments. If you have an argument with somebody, whether it's... Uh, you know, just having a verbal argument with anybody. It could be a friend, family member, or it could be, you know, someone in the street. But even happens. road rage. You see well, yeah, people road rage, reacting exactly. so quickly. Exactly. And I think it's always in hindsight, once you've calmed down, that you really think of both sides of it and you, and you realise that, you know, you may have said some things you shouldn't have said and, and you don't deal with the situation as well. So I think, uh, you know, the, the best I can relate that to is, is taking the lesson and trying to put it out there. Anytime you're in a situation where you need to think about something before you, you know, think before you speak. and You seem and quite chilled anyway. Anyway, you don't seem I'm, like someone who who has to work on keeping the lid on things. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd like to think I'm chilled. Yeah, there's definitely certain situations where where I can get a bit antsy, but it's usually if someone gets my food order wrong or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit to contest that. Now, Ant said in this episode that 
aggression is vital. You cannot win a war without aggression. It's interesting because the word itself has such negative connotations. We automatically think that it's something that the world could do well without. But would would you say that actually we've been looking at it wrong? It just needs to be harnessed correctly. Well, I think Jamie said something earlier about the different types of aggression. And you can have, I think it's like negative aggression where you are thinking about doing something or acting in a certain way, which is going to bring about a negative effect to the people around you. But I, sometimes people have said, oh, you say that quite aggressively, but actually I'm saying it because what I'm saying is I believe in it or if I want to get to a certain point or I'm passionate, yeah. yeah. And it's, or if I'm in the gym and I want to lift a heavy weight, I'm not going to get that weight above my head by going, oh, okay, here we go. I'm going to put some aggression behind it. So it's about, I suppose, channeling the aggression in the right way or using it towards different things is... is, I suppose especially sporting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you think of sportsmen and women who've taken part in SAS, they tend to do incredibly well. Do you think that is through a lifetime of harnessing aggression? Yeah. Definitely, yeah. I think the only, I mean, I've, the only sport I've done in my life is boxing and I'm doing boxing now. I'm um, hopefully getting a, a license to box soon. Uh, that's the only, I can, I can definitely relate to that feeling of, the, the one thing you get taught in boxing is if you get in it, obviously they box each other on the show, but... When you're in a, a situation where someone's actually trying to hurt you in a ring with gloves on, it is controlled and it is a sport. You have to remember that. And the person that is most aggressive usually will lose in a situation because you have to think about things. And if you don't think, that's where counterpunching, all these different things coming, the more calm you are, the more you're thinking about what you're doing, and then, then you'll win because it is a sport. It is point scoring, it is all of this. So it's separating the fight from the sport. Um, so I think, yeah, that's the difference there between having aggression and letting it control you or using your aggression and controlling it in whatever situation you may be in. So That's fascinating. <laughs> how, how can you keep your head when someone is hitting yours? It goes against <laughs> biology, really, doesn't it? It goes against everything you're told. Someone's attacking you, you defend yourself. But again, it's, you defend yourself better with a clear head. Um, it's a fact, um, but... You know, it's not a natural time to be clear-headed. <laughs> so, is that something that I mean, is the maybe not the SAS example then, but the 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 use of controlled aggression in sport and in your example, boxing, is that something that you've tried to learn? Right, just step back just for a moment. Someone is coming towards me aggressively, rather than reacting defensively. One hundred percent. I think the the best way to describe this is you're trained years in the gym on punch bags and on pads and on things that don't hit back, and your skills will be there. You'll have all your arms in the right place. Your footwork's great. Your jab's coming out perfectly. But as soon as you get into the ring and someone's attacking you, all of that goes out the window. With me, when I first sparred, I cowered and I turned around. I was thinking, "What am I doing?" And then it just goes to show because my what happened with me? I got really nervous. I got almost scared. I got aggressive, but what none of it was calculated and I went it was all over the place it took me a good 10 12 sparring sessions to even be able to do what I'm doing outside the ring yeah. inside the ring that's what having a clear head does it lets you figure out what you've learned or use what you've learned and um, that's where the smartest people can sort of or the the, the the toughest and strongest can come undone in those situations and um, in the beginning I definitely did so it's a uh, <laughs> It's understandable, yeah. You definitely have to control your aggression. Well, even when you say the word aggression, you automatically think of something that's physical. You think of whether something aggressive like boxing or obviously uh, uh, running or the shooting that we've seen in this episode. But 
a huge part of SAS who does wins is verbal aggression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a body language. It's a stance. It's a look in the eye. I I know that from my example when I was there. It wasn't even so much what they were saying to me. It was how they were saying it. It was a look in the eye that got me. Do you think that learning to overcome this kind of aggression is something that recruits maybe haven't even considered before they go in? They know that, yes, they're going to have to be physically strong and run up and down mountains. They're going to get cold and wet. How would how would you say, if any, anybody was listening, would think, I'd you know, I'm thinking of applying next year, I'm going to give it a go, to the, the non verbal aggression that they get as well as the the verbal tongue lashings the dressing downs mm-hmm. uh, to anyone that's thinking about applying i think it's just realizing that it's it is a lot more acutely condensed when you're there than you even realize mm. because i i said to people before and my mum even said to me don't know how you're going to do it because you roll your eyes all the time you know and i <laughs> it's like one of those reactions mm. that you don't even know that you're doing yeah and i said it's fine i've got to the point now where i can overcome people shouting at me i've just got to accept that it happens but then it's like you say it's not like ant will brush past you look at you mutter something and you think can't believe he's just done that to me and I think I think I did actually roll my eyes and Foxy Foxy (laughs) said to me one day he said you're dying to say something back aren't you and I was actually biting my lip I was like yeah and he was like you're 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 biting your lip that's how hard you are trying to not talk back are you glad you didn't talk back yeah yeah I did yeah I am I mean there's there's times when I did talk back um and you know they didn't really want to hear it, and, th- and that's fair enough. It, yeah. It's just testing that person, isn't it? But it, it is a lot harder than you can't just accept that you're going to overcome it and just let it go. Yeah, I was going to say. Obviously, I haven't been on the show. I'd absolutely love to. But if I from if I spin the question in that from that angle, if I were to go on the show, I would try and look at it like this. There's something funny in episode one that happened with Kirsty. And when she got pulled in and they asked her about life and she sort of had a bit of a, you know, a bit of um, something to prove and they, they sort of dug away at it and they asked her, she started speaking about her life and then he straight away went, boring, and just shut her off. And it was hard to watch and you almost after you think, that must have been brutal. And you can imagine what's going on in your head and if you let your ego get in the way or your feelings and get hurt by that or feel angry about it, then then they've done their job and you have to kind of separate you or separate the person that you think you are or that they think you are and stop caring about people liking you. Just do what happens in the moment in front of you and and know that it's all there for a reason. And so I I would try my very hardest Mm -hmm. to have the Jamie that I know I am and the emotional me and then try and be the sort of stern and cold and... But I guess it's a lot easier said than done. Yeah. But just seeing that happen to her and explain yeah. you explain what you're saying. Yeah. These little looks, they're all there perfectly, and they're they're, they're, they're so good at doing that. Yeah, they are. Um, they're so yeah. good at doing it. Yeah. I can remember <laughs> Billy ripped my my hood off yeah. when we first arrived, and his was the first thing. I his eyes were the first thing I saw. I want to leave then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, yeah, utterly terrible. And this is something that I think when you are sitting at home watching it for the comfort of your sofa that you don't appreciate. Yeah. Is, it, it isn't just the physicality of it. It's actually how you're made to feel. Mm-hmm. It's the feelings of it. I think um, you spend a lot of time as well, don't you? physically trying to not impress but do the best that you can you want them to like you and then for Ant to go boring you know that's it hurts it hurts because you think well I've just done all of that to try and show you that I'm not weak and you've just 
called me boring. Well, that's the, that's the worst nightmare, isn't it? In, in everyday life, you want people to like you, didn't you? Yeah. And, you, and, you, and you like other people and you like being, you know, everything's... Yeah, you want to be a nice just, person. Exactly, you do want to be a nice person. And, <laughs> I've and, never heard an SS they... person say, I want to be a nice person, yeah. but I know what but you're you saying. Can imagine, you can guarantee <laughs> Anne and Foxy and all these people are lovely people outside of it, but when it's there and it's down to business, yeah. they do what they need to do to yeah. destroy that side of you or, yep. or at least expose yeah. that side of you. Well, in our in our first episode uh, with uh, the mole J DSJ, he was our agony aunt, which I'm sure he's never been called before. Um, and this was some uh, non SAS day to day sort of advice. So obviously, Jay is not here this week, but we do have. Well, I think the next best thing we've got two people <laughs> who understand SAS. Obviously. One from the perspective of having been there and one from the perspective of having been an absolute super fan. So I'm going to ask the two of you a series of questions now and I'd like you to put your best... Like I suppose you could be VWs rather than DSs. Um, <laughs> put your best VW heads on. Dear VW, I'm preparing for a half marathon and whilst I'm fairly confident in my physical ability, I'm aware that there's more to endurance than just that. Uh, what are your tips for keeping your head in the right space? And I'll start with you, Jamie, because you're you're fit. You spoke about uh, boxing, how you keep yourself mentally strong. Um, oh, God, what would I say there? I'd say if you're confident in your physical ability, then you're halfway there mentally. Um, I'd say that you, um, you know, trust your instincts, trust, trust how you're feeling in the moment. Um, if you think you can do it physically, you can see that finish line and then any of those tough times just, just remember that. Remember that sentence in your head because I think I can do this physically. Any, any of those tough moments, just turn that little bit more into a tell yourself you can do it because there'll be moments where you'll, you'll feel like quitting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know you can do this. You've trained for it. You know you can do it. Just do it. Just keep going. Keep telling yourself that. Be the DS. Be your own DS. Be your own DS. <laughs> I like that. I'm probably less agony on and a bit more ruthless just because when it comes to committing to a goal, like they've, They've said that they think they're physically capable, so they've just got to get used to being mentally uncomfortable. It's going to get to a point where it's going to hurt, but you want to do it, you physically can do it, just push through, I'd say. I'd say break it down into into little goals, especially if you're preparing for a half marathon. Don't get worried about the end amount of miles. Yeah. Break everything down into little bite-sized yeah. chunks so that then you... you. I think if you can pat yourself on the back mentally, even if nobody else knows, mm-hmm. um, that you've done, you know, five and then ten and then up to... 13 and a half or however long a a half marathon is, you've kind of rewarded yourself along the way and then you know that you can do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, for sure, definitely. That's what I would... I I mean, sitting there and thinking on mile one that you've got 25 to go is not... It's it's not... (laughs) It's pretty terrifying, yeah, so I understand what you're saying, definitely bit by bit. And just keep going. Yeah. Do you know, the one thing that I learned from doing SAS was that I realised that in our normal lives, we normally stop when we don't like something, not not because we can't do it. Mm -hmm. And that flipped something in my head and I realised actually no I'm wanting to quit because I don't like it but actually Mm -hmm. can I do it yes I can I just Mm -hmm. don't want to Yeah. Um, so it's flipping that around in your head do I like it no but can I do it yes so just keep going Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, that's a good mindset and I think I I find that in sport I definitely feel like I've got to the point where if you do that enough if you teach yourself that enough and you, you flip that switch then you start to enjoy the moments where you're not liking it and you start to I think you start to relish in those moments yeah. and, and, and enjoy them. Brilliant. 
<laughs> okay, here's another one. Um, DVW. I'm trying to take small steps to improving my mental and physical well-being. My schedule's very busy, so I'm wondering what little things I could do every day to reach this goal. I got asked this quite a bit, actually. Well, from sort of like nursing and midwifery students when I came out because we were working like long days, so 13-hour days. They were asking me what I would eat or how I'd find time to train around doing those long shifts. And I just simply would say that I made time for it. So like your mental health and your physical well-being is really important. If you don't look after those, then everything else in your life is going to fall apart really, isn't it? So it's about changing what's important. So not necessarily the working the long days yeah. is the important, but actually the getting the half an hour of exercise in and the half an hour of the reading my book at the end of the day that I really want to do made me work better in the day. So changing your daily habits. Yeah, changing your daily habits. And I'd even go so far as to some for someone that's finding it really, really difficult is almost writing like a timeline of your day. If you find that you're like really disorganized, writing when you're going to have breakfast, when you're going to read your book, when you're going to do the exercise, then working your long day. So you know that you can actually fit it all in. That's kind of what got me through my midwifery degree was timelining my days and then once I became more kind of um, familiar with that routine I didn't have to write it down anymore it just became part of my routine so um, yeah do you know it's really interesting you say that because um, I heard somewhere and I, I'm not going to say this verbatim if this is I don't know if this is true but apparently in the military they make you the first thing you do in the morning you, you make your bed and it has to be absolutely perfect and apparently that's because when you get up and you do something like that, so, it, it, you know, really put your mind to it and do it perfectly, then you set yourself up for every other task mm -hmm. after that. And it's kind of down to that organisation because I think a, a big part of uh, your mental well-being is when you don't have anything going on and you wallow, then I think that's really, really bad and it's really negative as when negative thoughts can come. Keep yourself busy and keep yourself, have a little task, set yourself time for yourself. But in between that, have your little tasks throughout the day. And like you say, fill your day up, whether you do that with a schedule or not. Um, yeah, I think that's the key to it, is making sure that you're doing something, keeping yourself happy, having time for yourself, but ultimately keeping your day full and, and with purpose. And I think little little things that you can tick off and know you've done well, and I 100% agree it, with yeah, that. that. It's almost like the like on Instagram. Terrible example, oh. but... <laughs> but if you give no, yourself but, your own Yeah, tip. exactly. They're real life genius. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the starting off you your day by making a bed is, mm -hmm. is... I have heard that before, yeah. but uh, I tell my kids that. as well. I mean, clearly, I'm a parent, so I do it just so they'll make their bed. Yeah. But I think as well, if you start the day and you've done something well, even if it's just making your bed you're already starting off on yeah. the on a good footing exactly i like that um and finally uh dvws if you had to box one of the ds's who would it be and why i'm gonna go for one of the old guys <laughs> i really hope they're not listening <laughs> i'll go for ollie i know no i i really like ollie he came down to my crossfit gym in hale at christmas and trained last year for his birthday but Maybe I'd pick him because I do like him and I think he'd go a bit softer. Okay. Maybe. Okay. All right. <laughs> what about you? Do you know what? I haven't, I don't know what, what what they're like. I don't know the differences, but I'd probably say 
Oh, do you know what I would say Ant just because he's the chief and it yeah. would just be like a little challenge to yourself you have a beard and take down the, the chief. Would that make me chief if I won? Oh, wow, it's like top dog, worked. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just like take a, the throne. If you go for head wolf, I suppose <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. be head of the pack. There you go. Oh, well, we are going to have to VW now because I'm afraid we, we have run out of time. But um, Jamie and Louise, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And in case you have missed it, you can catch up with SAS Who Dares Wins on all four and watch the next episode this Sunday on Channel 4. Then head to your podcast platform of choice straight afterwards where you will be able to find a brand new episode of Back to Base. Thank you so much to Jamie and to Louise and I'll see you next week. The SAS Who Dares Wins Back to Base podcast is produced for Channel 4 by Little Dot Studios and brought to you by Mitsubishi. The podcast show is produced by Annie Hughes, Joe Greenway, Harold McShiel and Jake Cunningham and edited by Steph Watts and Mike Munzer. <laughs>